Welcome back to the 32nd edition of Living a Whole Christian Life. This is Dr. Jim Schrader, and it's great to be back with you as we continue our series on food as it relates to the physical dimensions of living a whole Christian life. Much of this material is taken from my book, Holiness, WH, The Unified Pursuit of Health, Harmony, Happiness, and Heaven. So we've been talking a lot about our diet and our food intake and how it relates to our whole Christian life. And the first thing we have to consider as we talked about different obstacles, we talked about kind of like statistics as it relates to God's design for food. It's one thing to say that we want to eat according to God's design. But the reality is it's an altogether another thing to actually pursue this ideal in our lives each day. And yet, as we go into this series, as we have the final part here today and we talk about this, the first step in this transformation actually is rather simple in idea, even if it's hard in execution. And that is, I guess, simply put, it's the idea that there's a renewed commitment each day to first and foremost to eat in a way that brings both increased capacity and pleasure to our lives while honoring God in the process. All of you have grown up with different kind of relationships with food and different experiences from an early age. And I really never thought about food in this way, in honoring God in the process of eating until it was in the last five to 10 years, especially. But, you know, no matter where you are, no matter what your relationship is and and how you feel about it, really the first step of this idea of eating according to God's design is recognizing that that is the priority, right? That first and foremost, again, we eat in a way that it brings pleasure and capacity to our lives, we also attempt to eat in a way that honors God in the process. We've talked about this a lot in the podcast. We're going to fail all over the place. And you know, really just don't like the idea of focusing on the failure because it removes the opportunities in store. And so this idea of a renewed commitment, I think, is really kind of a neat way to frame where we're going to go today in the sense of what we want to do with food. So keeping this idea in the forefront, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to offer what I think are five key practical ideas and five key thoughts that I feel are critical to sustaining this idea of a healthy relationship to food as it comes to honoring God. So let's start here with the first five practical ideas. Many of you have been on different diets. You've heard many different things over the years. It's impossible even a few podcasts here to really summarize, but I think these five here are really key when it comes down to, pragmatically speaking, how do we go about cultivating this kind of diet? So number one, it is to learn to eat simply and economically, but also learn to purchase foods that are quality. You know, not necessarily just to get foods and because they're cheap or readily available, but to eat simply and economically, but not be afraid to spend money on quality foods. And the key is, The idea is that you're filling your house with these foods, right? Again, we can all have our snacks and different things, indulgences, but we all know that what's in our home is it makes a tremendous difference about what we're going to eat, right? Whether you're sitting in front of the TV, whether it's, you know, in the morning, first thing, it's what's most available tends to be what our diet's going to be. And so, you know, there's actually what we did on my website, james-schrader.com, and I want to say a thanks to Teresa Scheller, the owner and founder of Real You Wellness, who's a, a great nutritionist in town that really ties in the idea of nutrition and psychology. We put together a four-part series about food, and part three was what we consider our top 10 bargain foods. So definitely check that out on the website. But these were foods based on three factors that we felt made the top 10 list. One was 
just the overall health of the food. The second was the cost. And the third was accessibility. And so, you know, I'm not going to go through all of them here, but there's some great foods, including, for example, oatmeal and eggs that made the top 10 that are easy to get, they're low cost, and they really can sustain eating according to God's design. So, number two, learn to make water your drink of choice and all other drinks other than maybe, you know, coffee or tea without much sugar. Learn to make other drinks treats to have at different times. You know, I mentioned before in the the podcast that we are over 70% water. Our bodies literally are over 70% water. So in order for our bodies to work well, we constantly have to be hydrating. We have to be consuming water. And what we found is that even when you put things in water, you know, and make it flavorful, unfortunately, that actually can cause you to become dehydrated the way our body works, that sugar and everything else doesn't really hydrate in the way that we think it might. So in the end of the day, even if you're not drinking water at all, I would really, really encourage you to just start to cultivate the idea of getting used to water, whether it's, you know, with or without ice, whether it's in a particular mug, do whatever makes it kind of fun. You know, if you like to drink out of a stainless steel mug and that's more appealing, great. But whatever it is, water being your drink of choice is going to be such a great thing for your health in so many different ways. It makes sense, right? Because our bodies are so much water. Number three, set rules for yourself for regular eating that becomes a covenant with God and save your treats and unhealthy foods for largely special occasions. So I'm going to give you a couple of ideas of things I've done over the years that have really worked for me. And I know that you may think, oh, this doesn't sound like fun. Set rules for yourself. Well, I actually think that the more you do it and the more you feel satisfied that you can kind of have that, you know, willpower over food, what I found is that these rules really just become part of that covenant. And I no longer kind of like lament, oh, I can't eat this because I've kind of set these rules. I actually like the fact that I kind of laid out these rules for myself because it provides kind of a framework that I know works, that I know allows me to be healthy. So for example, one of my times when I I can indulge in anything is date night with my wife. From the beginning of this idea, I always said, well, if we're going out on a date, wherever it is, even a group date or whatever, I can eat whatever I want, which then is really kind of cool for us because that food signifies even a greater celebration during that date night. But during the week, I have a few different, or actually many different rules I have set for myself. I really don't eat sweets at work. And I realize for some people, maybe that's not that even seems accessible or appealing. But for me, the nice thing is the work week, I really, really focus on consuming lots of healthy foods. And so I've learned over the years, yeah, we have a lot of snacks that come into our department. And you know what? Sometimes it would it seem nice to eat those. But for the most part, I really, over the years, having cultivated this, don't have a whole lot of temptation these days because I like saving my snacks and treats, again, for more special occasions. And I like the feeling of having the willpower to just go about my diet as typical. Another rule, you're going to really laugh at this one, is that from the earliest of ages, I've had this food obsession for raisins, of all things. I know it sounds really kind of crazy, but um, raisins are something that I can indulge in unbelievably. And so I have set this rule that, and my kids laugh at me for this, but R for raisins means that I can only eat raisins on R days. That is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All the rest of the days, raisins are off limits. So whatever it is you're setting for yourself, just kind of like understand that initially it may seem like, oh, it's not a lot of fun or I can't believe I'm setting rules. Over time, the nice thing about this is that it just becomes the fabric of that covenant with God. And so then when you do have times to celebrate, you do have times when you need a little extra comfort, 
you don't feel guilty about it because you know that you've established kind of the staple of your week. You know, 80% of my week or more is set in a really good way. So then the other parts I can indulge. Number four, learn to use fasting as a means of teaching willpower when it comes to food. So I've got a couple pieces on my website I really encourage you to check out on fasting because you know what's amazing is that many people outside of the Christian faith use fasting for lots of different reasons, whether it's endurance racing or whether it's actually creating more willpower or it's actually increasing a lot of different factors in our body that are very healthy. Not surprisingly, of course, again, part of God's design is that fasting used responsibly actually is really, really good for us in many ways. But for me especially, I think that the idea of fasting and learning to have willpower over food has been really a great thing. And so there's a couple different times I kind of reflect here with you about where fasting has meant a lot. One is that every year during Lent and Advent, I fast from any food in between meals. Initially, when I'm getting into that, it's a little bit of an adjustment, right? Because I've been eating between meals at different times. But I actually, I really look forward to those periods of the year when I know that that's just something that I have already set with God to do that. Because I know that, you know what, no matter what my diet has been up to that point, it's kind of a cleansing period. And so Lent and Advent provide this waiting and anticipation, but it also provides a purification. And I really look forward to that idea. And throughout those periods of time, I once again proved to myself that I don't have to have things, snacks or in between meals or whatever else, because God ordains that we can abstain in that way. The other thing is that I I spent a year fasting. Once a week, I did a 24-hour fast for an entire year. And again, you can see this on my website or even on the National Catholic Register. And I kept a food log during that year. And what I found, and and that fast actually ended on the Triduum of Easter. I I fasted from Good Thursday night until Sunday morning, which I will say was, was a challenge, but it came with so many different blessings. And as I was looking back at the journal from that year of fasting before doing this podcast, I recognized that one of the things that really engendered upon me again was the tremendous blessing that God gives us through food, but often the ways that we just become so dependent on that particular nourishment that we're afraid to seek out God in other ways. And so that year of fasting, that once a week fasting for 24 hours, really allowed me to, I think, take a real healthy perspective on what really food is for our lives. And it's interesting, each of those fasts for that year, and other times when I've done the 24-hour fast, I would kind of begin and end with a very simple prayer, and that was, God, thank you for the nourishment you provide when no food is available, and thank you for the food you provide that nourishes me. And I like that. It was just a simple way to begin and end those fasts. Number five, buy some books around food and the science of food. I mentioned last week The Better Brain by Bonnie Kaplan and Julia Rutledge. I really encourage you to check out this book and learn about the incredible potential of food and even certain supplements. And also it's a huge, tremendous number of recipes that they include in the book. And you might just be surprised how good, healthy food can taste if you've never really been part of that. There's another great book by uh, Scott Jurek called Eat and Run. He's actually a vegan. And I'm not a vegan. I eat meat and fish and other things, but there's some great, great recipes that I love that are are vegan recipes in there too. So don't be afraid to kind of, you know, purchase a few books or again, those are available at the library too and learn more about food. The more you learn and the more new recipes and things you're exposed to, I think you'll find the greater excitement that you have about food in general. So those are five, what I think are really key practical 
ideas to sustain a healthy relationship with food as it honors God in the process. And here are my five what I consider key thoughts. Thoughts that you may have had before or you may have never heard before, but I hope that they're of interest and of use. They certainly have been for me. Number one, the thought is, quote, I know that food provides me with instant comfort and joy, and I'm excited at all the possibilities that healthy food can do this for me too. I think that's a really key thought. I remember all the way back in college, I had this really very strict, rigid habit of eating a lot of chicken patties. For whatever reason, I really liked them. I thought they were just really good, and I thought that, that was something that I had to have. And especially if it was a really difficult day, I you know maybe I would even eat an extra one or whatever. But I kind of felt like I needed those. I felt like that they were provided some comfort. But over time, of course, my diet evolved and everything, and it changed there. And I realized I didn't really need the chicken patties, but I could actually find comfort and joy in other foods that were much more natural, right? That much more healthy for me. But I had to cultivate this idea that I had to be excited that it wasn't that I wanted to remove the comfort and joy that food provided for me. It's just that I had to find those foods that honored, again, the design of my body in a way that I could still get the comfort and joy. And maybe you're not going to get like maybe a blizzard, like an instantaneous rush, but I had to find the foods that really honored the design of who I was and then be excited about the fact that they were healthy, that they were great for me too. So I think that's a key thought for all of you out there. We're not trying to take away our comfort and joy with the foods. What we're just trying to say is that it doesn't necessarily have to be an unhealthy way to go to get that. Number two of the key thoughts, quote, I'm excited about the ways in which food can help increase my capacity in all the roles that God calls me to. And this is something that has been so dear in my life. I never would have imagined 15 to 16 years ago the role that food could play in helping me in what has become a really frenetic but really, really rich and meaningful life. Whether it's, again, my role as a husband or a father, psychologist, whether it's the endurance racing that I've done, whatever it is, I just, I I started to look at food in such a different way than I ever did before. And I became really, really excited that it was increasing my capacity, right? To think more clearly, to remember things, to consider life and to have the energy that I needed. And if you've never really had that idea, you've never really kind of cultivated it or sensed that about food, I really urge you to consider, again, to learn more, but to really kind of keep that thought. What would it mean to you to be excited about the ways in which food can help increase your capacity. Like, How much would that mean to you if food wasn't just to fill a void, right? Or food wasn't just to get immediate comfort, but your capacity in your physical, psychological, social, spiritual lives could increase by something that you had to have anyway. Such a critical, critical idea, I think, for us to have. The third key thought is, quote, I love how my body feels when I'm eating according to God's design. It feels so good to have this covenant with God. And that's something, you know, I I realized as I was way back into graduate school and actually internship, you know, talked about this at the very beginning of the podcast, I was having a lot of physical symptoms, right? What I realized later was a lot of heartburn, even some dizziness. And it wasn't only that I wasn't active, it was that my relationship with food was not in a healthy place. But as that started to evolve, as the food started to shift, lining up with the design of my body, 
I started loving this feeling of feeling better and better. Now, that doesn't mean that you know, every day I you know, have stomach aches or things don't happen sometimes, but I have just found over the years that it's amazing how much better I feel when I'm consuming as we're designed to consume. And so that's a key thought for all of us, right? We have to really love the idea that even if that food isn't an immediate rush for us, that what we love even more than the rush it could give us is the feeling over time of just being more whole and more healthy. It's, it's irreplaceable, but it's something that we have to really, again, cultivate. The fourth key thought is, quote, no matter what I have eaten in the last hour or day, the hour or day in front of me is a great opportunity to renew my covenant and love for God. And this is where, no matter where you are out there listening, and no matter where you have been in the lifetime of your food intake. I think this is the, one of the most hopeful ideas that for me has always been great, right? So maybe you've had a rough week or two. Maybe you've had a rough year or two. Maybe you've had a rough decade or two. I don't know, wherever you're at. The great thing is that what's in front of you, this hour, this day, is a great opportunity to renew your covenant with God and your love for God in the way that you eat. This podcast is all about opportunity and joy and and just seeking the truth in this way that we have such promise and that, you know, we shouldn't despair if things haven't been good for us in the world of food because what lies in front of us remains a tremendous chance to love God more fully. And number five, quote, I celebrate what food provides for me. It's sustenance, it's comfort, it's joy, it's jubilation. And I love sharing this with others. And I also love eating alone in silence. It's ironic that, you know, with food, it can happen anywhere at any time, something that we need, but it can happen with a room, it can happen with a huge assembly of people, or it can happen all alone. And either way, I think that we really have to appreciate what it provides for us, that no matter what condition you're in or where you're at, food has always been there because God has given it to us. So together, these five practical ideas and these five key thoughts form what I think are the framework for food. And I hope that it's been helpful for you this week, and I'm excited to go forward in all the physical aspects of where we're going. But for now, this is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be whole.